today I want to jump into a story. I, I shared a message uh, a few weeks ago. I shared a, a story about a wedding, a destination wedding in Aruba that was supposed to happen but got canceled and it was like the saddest day of my life And um, because they were going to fly me and Karen, we were going to do this whole thing in Aruba and it never happened. And, uh, but shortly after, I had another couple that came to me and, uh, and they came to uh, the you know, two singles and said, hey, listen, we want to do a wedding and it's a destination wedding. And I'm like, okay, God, you know, you've come in and, uh, and you have blessed me again with another opportunity for a destination wedding. And I'm like, yeah, I'm all about destination wedding. You know, last one didn't work out so well for me. So where is it going to be? And so, well, believe it or not, um, the destination wedding is going to be at the local Walmart. And I said, really? Yeah, it can be at the Walmart. And, 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 and they met at Walmart. They, you know, work at Walmart. They met at Walmart. And, and apparently the Walmart had heard that they were getting married. And, and Walmart kind of stepped in and, and begged them. and said, listen, what, we want to show people that we can do a Walmart wedding. Will, we let, will you let us showcase your wedding and we'll pay for it? We'll provide the cake from our Walmart bakery. We'll provide everything. And, and, and so the couple says, okay, if you're paying for it, sure. And so they came to me and said, will you do the wedding? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I will. And, um, and so and that's the kind, of, kind of thing you would see in the South, you know. We kind of live down there, and that's how you kind of roll. And so um, I, uh, we all got our, our, our plans, you know. There was no rehearsal. There was no, uh, we were just going to show up on a Saturday afternoon, and, uh, and I didn't even know where the setup was going to be. I didn't know if it was going to be in the hardware supply section, if it was going to be in the clothing store or in the vegetable section. I have no idea how this was going to roll out. And, and so, you know, uh, you know, us and the bride and groom and the, and the wedding party, it was a very small wedding, uh, we, we kind of met together at the customer service at Walmart, and... <laughs> And, uh, you know, we, we pick a number, and, you know, when they call our number, we say, hey, I'm here to do a wedding. And uh, I say, oh, yeah, you're the wedding people. And listen, uh, we've got you set up in the garden center. And I'm like, garden center, okay, that's great. Where at? It's said outside garden center, which in June, Florida, in June, at 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, um, it's 95, 100 degrees, and it's 100% humidity. I mean, you walk outside, you sweat. I mean, you can't help yourself to sweat. Now, we're wearing, you know, I'm wearing my Mary and Barry suit, you know, and, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm already sweating. And, 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 of course, the bride and groom, they're in their full attire, you know, I mean, everything. I said, all right, so we're going to go out and do this wedding outside. And so we go out there, I have my wedding notes, and I'm ready to get going. And, and the Walmart manager said, oh, by the way, you know, he, he's the... You know, the guy in charge of this whole thing, he said, hey, I want you to grab a microphone and I want you to do this and we're going to blast this whole wedding in the parking lot. We want everybody to hear about this wedding. So here we are in the garden center and I've got my notes, I've got this microphone and in the first couple of seconds, you know, I'm already sweating. It's already a nervous, nervous time to do a wedding. I'm already sweating, you know, and the sweat, the huge drops of sweat that's rolling into my eyes. And if you don't know, sweat is made out of salt, all right? And so now it's burning my eyes. Uh, and I don't have a handkerchief. I have anything to wipe it with. So I try to use my, my sweaty hand. I made it worse. And now I'm blind. 
I'm trying to do a wedding. You know, I can't see. You know, everybody in the wedding party, the hot mess. I mean, literally speaking, a hot, sweaty mess. I'm like, you know, my weddings are normally 20, 25 minutes long. I said, I'm going to have to land this plane as fast as I can because we're not going to make it. We're going to die. All right, and so we're out there, and uh, finally, I did the wedding. Uh, you know, I got my notes. I, got, I couldn't even turn the page. I mean, my hands all sweaty, and I just, it was just like, you know what? I'm going to kind of wing it from here. And, uh, and I did it Indian style. Want them? Want them? You got them. <laughs> Let's pray. You know, and I'll pronounce them husband and wife. It's the shortest wedding I've ever done. Uh, shortest wedding. And so then the manager said, hey, that was great. That was perfect. You know, we like short weddings. And I said, okay, sure, no problem. And I said, let's go inside for the reception. I said, oh, I forgot about the reception. It was in a Walmart cafe. And they had made their own cake. You know, Walmart, they made the cake just like you would think it is. And it was just as good as Walmart could ever make. And, and, and then we served cake, including me, to everybody that walked into Walmart. Everybody was invited to the, to the wedding. You know, and, and we said, welcome to Walmart. Here's a cake. You know, have a cake. Have a cake. And uh, it was an endless supply of wedding cake on that day in June, back on that wedding day. And I'll tell you what. I showed up to this wedding thinking I had a plan, thinking I had everything all together, and I had to make a thousand different adjustments on the fly to make it happen to be one of the first in America to perform a Walmart wedding. And I, that's my claim to fame. I'm kind of proud of it, you know, and so just kind of roll with me. So um, anyway, adjustment. Today we're going to talk about making adjustments. That's where we're going today. Making adjustments as we pursue God's will for our lives. We've got to make adjustments. We've been talking about what it means to discover and to do God's will. What does it mean to discover God's will? We talk about the different things, you know, I'm not gonna pull up the diagram today, but you know, we talk about the different steps about discovering. And now we kind of pivot to what it means to do the will of God, to do what God is calling us to do. And so today we're gonna look at the, set, uh, the sixth truth, experiencing God reality truth number six. And that is this, I must make major adjustments in my life to join God in what he is doing. I have to make major adjustments in my life to join God in what he is doing, what he's working at. See, God has a plan. God has a purpose for your life. And the problem is that so many times we miss that plan, we miss that purpose, and here's why. When you discover what God wants you to do for him, we have to make Adjustment. It requires an adjustment because you can't continue to live life in the same old, same old and expect to get to where God wants to take you. You're out of your mind if you think that you can just keep doing the same thing today to pursue what God is calling you today. It always requires an adjustment to be made. There's a statement that I'm going to kind of repeat over and over again. You see this in your handout note. It's a statement that says, I cannot stay where I am and go with God. I cannot, you cannot stay where you are and go with God. It's impossible. You have to make a change in your life to move to where God wants you to go. And for some of you this morning, 
This may be the hardest, most challenging message that you're going to hear in this whole series. Why? Because to do what God is asking you to do, it's going to require that you make an adjustment. It's going to require that you make a change. It's going to require that you make a sacrifice. And for some of you, the adjustment might be to get out of an unhealthy relationship. For some of you, it might be, you know, that you need to stop drinking so that you can have a clearer, sober mind. For some of you, it may be cutting back on a hobby that you have so that you can spend more time with your family and friends and your spouse and kids. It might be something really small. Uh, some of your adjustment might be really big. But it always requires some adjustment, and believe me, that adjustment is always, always worth it. In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul, he pleads with the church in Rome, the Roman Christians, to adjust their lives to God's will, to make necessary sacrifices. Because he said that's the kind of life that he wants to bless. We see this in verse 1 and 2. It's a familiar passage of scripture, but I want to read it. Paul said, therefore, I urge you, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. See, the writer you know, the people that receiving it, they understand an Old Testament worship is what, you know, an Old Testament worship involves an altar and you put a dead, pure animal, a spotless lamb of some sort, you know, that you would put that lamb and you would put it on, a, on, an, on an altar as an act of worship to God. The part says, you're not putting something dead on the altar, you're, put, you're putting something alive on the altar as an act of worship to God. You're putting your life and you're laying it all down. You're laying it all down for him. And then he said in verse number two, he said, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. God's will, right? It's all about discovering and doing God's will, right? His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And for the next few minutes, here's what I want to do. I want to get real with you. I'm going to roll up my sleeve. Might get a little dirty here, all right? But we got, we got, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be transparent. going to be a tough, challenging message here for all of us. But I want to challenge you to think about the adjustment that you need to make. Now, I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about your spouse next door, you know, next to you. I'm not saying, hey, you know, you better listen, <laughs> you know, or your friend or, or, or someone that you know in the room. I'm talking to you. We want to do some own heart examination. And this is going to be a challenging message to talk about the adjustment that you need to make so that you can go where God wants to take you. So let's jump in. How do I adjust my life to God's will? Adjustment number one. We've got to acknowledge God's will is better than my will. Acknowledge that God's will is better than my will. There is a conflict 
a conflict between my will and God's will. That's why before I'm ever going to be able to adjust my life to God's will, I have to believe in my heart that God knows more than I do, that God's plan is better than my plan. I have to believe this. I have to believe that if I follow God's will, that my life is going to be so much better than it is in my present circumstances. I'm reminded in Isaiah chapter 55, verse number 8, where Isaiah said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God knows more. He sees further than we could ever can on our own. And I can trust that God's plan is always, always going to be the best plan. And it's going to be the best for me. And here's why this is so challenging. This is why this is tough teaching here. When God asks you to adjust your life, it will oftentimes be costly to you and to those around you. It's going to cost you something. I'm, I'm, let me, I want to be as honest and transparent as I possibly can. Here at Lake Point, at Lake Point Church, we're not a health, wealth, and prosperity church. I'm not going to tell you that when you follow God's will, it's always going to be sunshine and, and rainbows and puppy dogs. That's not the way that life is. When God asks you to do something and you adjust your life to him, oftentimes there's a sacrifice and that sacrifice is going to be costly to you. It's going to be costly to those who you care about. It might cost you, it might cost you money. It might cost you popularity. It might cost you security. It might cost you your comfort. It might cost you a relationship that you care about. And so we're faced with a number of decisions. Do I stay where I am and play it safe? Does it go through the motions? Or, or do I trust that God's will is always the best? Do, do I trust that the sacrifice will always be worth the cost? Do I trust that a future in God's will is, is always going to be better than my present situation? Now, okay, let me say this. As we're talking about the cost and sacrifice, and it kind of scales us a little bit. So, okay. But let me say this. It's so important. Adjusting your life is always, always worth the cost. Why? Because you're going to experience God's best for your life. And at the end of your life, it may not be the easiest life, but at the end of your life, you will have no regrets because you have lived the most full, the, the most joyful, the most significant life possible. Of course it's worth it. Of course it's worth pursuing God and recognizing that his plan is better than my plan. My friend, is there an adjustment that you need to make today? Is there an adjustment that God is asking you to make? Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and 6. It's a trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not some of it, but all of it. And don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on what you think is best. 
Lean on what he does. Lean on him. Trust in him. Then it said, in all your ways, submit to him. Another word, we see this in that translation, the word acknowledge. Acknowledge him. Uh, this, this is what we say, God, I trust you. You know what's best. And I submit to you. In all your, in all your ways, we have to submit to him. And the Bible says he will make your path straight. He will guide your steps. He'll show you the, the road that you need to take. When we submit to him and say, okay, God, I acknowledge that your plan is better than my plan. That's the first thing that we talk about making adjustment. We just got to recognize that. Number two, we've got to repent and confess my sins to God. We've got to repent. We've got to confess your sins and my sins. We've got to confess it to God. The biggest barrier that's standing between us and God's will is the three letter word sin. S I N. And here's the deal about sin sin is an I problem. Because right in the middle of that word is that letter I. An I, me, I am right in the middle of it. Sin. The root of sin is when my will, when it conflicts with God's will, and I choose my will over God's will. That's classic rebellion 101 right there. That's the root of sin. That's when we say, God, I know that this is what you want me to do, and I don't care. I'm going to live life my way. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to turn my back on you. I'm going to go my own, my own path. I'm going to do my own way. And that's the biblical definition of sin. And we live this out every day. Every day we do this. God said, don't lie. You know what we do? Without batting an eye, we lie. We lie to our bosses. We lie to our friends. We lie to our spouses. We lie. It may not be a big lie, but we lie. God said, be pure. You know, be pure in what you think. Be pure in what you see. Be pure in what you do. Be pure in your marriage relationships. Be pure in your single relationship, in your dating relationship. Be pure. God said, be pure. We struggle with this. God says, hey, I want you to deal with that addiction that's in your life. Whether, whether it's a, a, a spending addiction, maybe it's a pornography addiction, uh, uh, maybe it's an eating addiction, maybe it's a gambling addiction. You know, Michigan laws made it so easy now that you can download an app and you can gamble at any time you want, 24-7. You don't even have to go to the casinos. It's easy. And for some of us, we might have fallen in that trap. And we're addicted. And God said, I want you to deal with that addiction. And instead of dealing with it, though, whatever it might be, we just keep it in our lives. And we hide it from everyone else. We turn our back on God. We turn our back on God. God said, man, I've got something for you, Scott. I've got this plan for you. I've got this over here. But Scott, you're over here, though. You're doing your own thing. And standing in the middle of this barrier called sin. It's in the way of all that I have for your life. 
which is over here. And you're going to have to do something about it. You're going to have to deal with it. Because that sin is going to separate us from all that I have for you. So how do we deal with it? How do we deal with sin? Two words to understand. The first word is the word repent. Repent. Man, there's so much negative idea with this word repent. But man, it's quite the opposite. Repent leads to a better life. Repent is not supposed to be that negative thought, that negative idea. Over a hundred times in the New Testament, we see the word repent. The Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 3 verse 19, he said, repent and then turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. So what, what is this word repent? What does it mean? It means, if you're taking note, a change of mind which leads to a change of behavior. Starts in the mind. A change of attitude. It's the way that you view sin. It's the way that you view, you know, your walk with God and how you're in conflict with God. You repent. It's a change of mind which ultimately leads to a change of behavior. The, 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 the Greek word, uh, the interesting word, the Greek word for repent is the word metanoia. Metanoia, you see that on the screen, metanoia. It, 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 it's a military term. It would be the same thing that you would hear a drill sergeant as he leads his battalion, you know, when he says about face. Now, if you're in the military, you know what that means, about face. If you, you know, maybe you're not in the military, you know what that means, about face. It means you're walking in one direction, and the drill sergeant said about face, you turn. 180. That's what metanoia means. That's what the word repent means. It's a turn, 180 turn. Starts in the mind. And it's a change of direction after that. It's a change of mind which leads to a change of behavior. And when we repent, we'll realize that my way, that your way, is not better than God's way. So I change my mind about how I view sin. I see that sin hurts me. It hurts my life. And ultimately, I see that sin it hurts the heart of God. It hurts him. And so that's what it means to repent. Now, the second word is the word confess. Got repent. And then you got confess. You see in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, and let's pause here for a minute. Let's talk about the word confess. It means to be in agreement with. If you're taking notes, it means to be in agreement with. After I repent, I confess to God, I agree. That his, right, that his way is right. I agree with sin is sin. And by the way, when you confess, you're calling sin what it is. We're not sugarcoating sin. We say, God, God, I have, I don't say, God, I have an issue. I don't say, God, I've got some mistake going on in my life. We, 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 we man up, we woman up and say, God, it is what it is. It's a sin in my life. It's not a bad habit. 
It's a sin in my life. Call it what it is. Got to stop sugarcoating sin. I will confess. We call it the way God sees it. It's a sin. I confess that his way is right. I agree with him about my sin. I commit to following him. Let me ask you a question. Personal question for you. Is there a sin? Is there a sin in your life right now that might be standing between you and God? Is there a sin? And maybe the adjustment today that you need to make right now is to repent and say, God, I, I repent. I admit my way is the wrong way and I confess that your way, I agree that your way is the right way. Look at the rest of verse 9. He said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just. And he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What a powerful promise here. He is faithful. He is just to forgive us our sins. You know that sin that you should keep doing over and over and over again, you can't break away from it, you know it's wrong. And every time you sin, you, should, you know, God said you need to confess. Confess. He's faithful. He'll forgive you every time. Every time. That's what it means. If there's a time that God said, you know what, I'm not going to forgive you this time. You did one too many. Then this promise is not true. There's holes in the scripture if we can't hold to this verse. You might sin today. And you ask God to forgive your sin. You should. And then tomorrow you do the same stupid thing again. The same sin. And I said, oh, man, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that word. I can't believe I thought that thought. I can't believe I, 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 I did that thing. Whatever it is, we, we, we confess again. And then what, what happened? Tuesday comes around, we do it again. What are you supposed to do? We confess. We repent and confess. We repent and confess. It's a process. We do this. You know, we do this, we, we, on Tuesday we, forget, we ask God for forgiveness and then we say, okay, I, you know, God thanks you for coming to my heart. You come with the right attitude, with the right spirit, and a few hours later, guess what? Did it again. You know, oftentimes, this is one of the biggest temptations for Christians, is that after so many times for asking God forgiveness of the same sin that we might keep doing over and over again, and we, you know, we come to him with the right heart and right spirit, and, and uh, yeah, we, come, we become weak and we keep falling, you know, we might be good for about a week or two. And we, oh, man, I messed up again. I failed. I sinned. The greatest temptation is that we stop asking God for forgiveness. We begin to think like God. We begin to think, you know what? Man, if, if I was God, I would have forgiven me. We do this. You know what we do? We put ourselves in spiritual time out. We think, okay, hey, that's going to make it better. God, you know what? I'm not going to you this time. I've messed up so many times. I tell you what, I'm just going to punish myself. I'm going to find me a stool, and uh, I'm going to bring it up here, and I'm going to put myself in timeout with a dunk cap on me. You know, idiot. You know, failure. I'm going to wear it. God, I'm not going to go back to forgiveness again because I've already messed up so many times. And you know what? That's the biggest temptation we do. We do this. When God said, no, there's nowhere in the scripture where we're supposed to go and put ourselves in spiritual time out. Every time we sin, 
Every time we fail, what the part to do First John 1, 9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful. That means every time. He is just. That means he has the right to do it. He has the right to forgive you of your sin because of what he did on the cross. Every time. And he will cleanse us and forgive us of all of our sins. And we've got to stop living in time out, spiritual time out. We've got to get on our knees and say, God, I know I keep messing up. I keep coming to you. God, I want to repent. I see what you're seeing. And I'm sad I'm hurting your heart. And I want you to forgive me of my sins every time. Remember, you can't stay where you are and go with God. And for some of you this morning, there's something that's tugging at your heart. Maybe right now you came to church on spiritual time out. Maybe you're here today because, you know what, if I do church enough time, maybe it'll appease my guilt. I'm here to say today, you want to deal with that sin? Repent and confess. Repent and confess. Not to me, but you confess to him. You want to deal with it. What is it that's holding you back? What is it that you're stuck that you need to deal with. God is faithful. Here's the next step, and this is another big one. We gotta abandon any idols in my life. Gotta abandon it. An idol is anything that God would ask you to give up that either you would be unwilling to give up or hesitant to give up. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about sin. Could be sin. I'm also talking about some good things. Good things but some things that we need to let go that's robbing us of the best things. I love what Jim Collins, uh, he, he's the author of Good to Great, leadership book. He said this, the good is always the enemy of the best. And sometimes we drag ourselves down with the wrong things, wrong priorities. They may be good things, but they're not the best things. And sometimes the adjustment that God is asking you to make so that you can move to where he is, so that you can experience the best for your life, is to let go of something in your life that you play at a higher level of importance than God. Uh, John, he, he said in 1 John 5, 21, I got two translations. He said, dear children, keep yourself from idols. But I love the New Living Translation where it said, dear children, Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. I love that. I said, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Uh, in your notes, I've, I've listed several of these things, several idols. Could be money. Money may be an idol. Could be uh, approval. You know, some people are always seeking the applause of others or the approval of other people. Uh, not God. That can be an idol. Uh, sex can become an idol, causing you to pursue meaningless relationship after meaningless relationship, and you turn your back on God. Maybe social media. You say, no, no, God, not social media. You can't go there. <laughs> it can. can be an idol. Let me ask you this. This past week, how many times have you spent several hours scrolling on social media, and maybe you spend one minute reading God's word or praying to God. Because for a lot of us, social media pushes that time we could be spending with God. And if that's the case, then that become an idol. 
become an idol? What about, what about relationship? That's where you put another person in front of God. You know, it could be a family member. It could be a, uh, a friend. It, it could even be your spouse. You know that? Your spouse could be an idol. You know, our culture, it teaches that, to, that in order to be fulfilled in life, you've got to find the one. You've got to find the perfect one. No such thing as a perfect one, but that's what they want to teach us to find, find the, the one. The problem is, another person is not the one. God is your one. And your spouse should always be your number two. In that order. God is your one. If you're not married, I would challenge you to seek the one while preparing for your number two. If you are married, then I want you to encourage, I want to encourage you to always seek the one with your number two. You get it? Not the other way around. Priorities. Maybe your idol becomes your job. You're so committed to success at work that you don't have time for anyone or anything else. You're pushing God, you're pushing the family out of your life. You don't have time for a life group. You, don't have, you barely have time for church because it's become an idol. Become an idol. If you're not sure what your idol is, ask yourself this question. Is there something that you're not willing to give up for God? Is there something that you're not willing to give up for God. And whatever that is, that become your idol. And that idol may be the one thing keeping you from doing God's will and experiencing, experiencing his best for your life. On the back of your connection card, there's a place where it says under my next step today, it says, I need to abandon this idol in my life. And it's a fill in the blank. I'm going to challenge you to take a step in this. To write that down and say, you know what? I have an idol in my life and here it is. No one else is going to read. I'm not going to post this on anybody's Facebook wall. <laughs> We're going to pray for you, though. Our staff can pray for you. Whatever that area is. Say, God, I have an idol in my life, and I need to set it aside. I need to make that adjustment. Remember, you can't, you cannot stay where you are and go with God. You cannot hang on to your idols and go with God. You have to make that adjustment. Number four, allow God to control every area of my life. I'm going to allow God to control. I'm going to give God control of my life. What the old country song, Jesus, take the wheel. Okay, I'm going to allow God to take the wheel of my life and be in charge. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 and 25 the Apostle Paul said, those who belong to Christ Jesus. You know, if you're a child of God, right? You said you have nailed the, the, the passions and desires of the sinful nature. You've nailed it to his cross and you crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit leading in every, you can underline that word, every part of your life, every part, every area. God demands to be in charge, to be the leader of every area of your life. You see, God loves you so much. He wants the best for your life. 
He intends to be the Lord of your life if you let him. And for some of you right now, this is your roadblock. You're experiencing God. It's to fully surrender to him. And so I'm afraid if, if it gets out of my hand and I, and I give it to him, that my life will be out of control. Listen, life is always better when it's out of my hands and to his hands. Always is. A surrender is saying, okay, God, here it is. Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, my old self has been crucified with Christ, my old nature. It's no, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He said, I've surrendered my life completely to God. Jesus is in control. And he said, so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, Jesus has given us everything for us so that you can trust him, so that you can give him control. The most important adjustment you ever make is adjusting your life to God's will so that you can follow him. You cannot stay where you are. You cannot stay where you are today and go with God. We're, we're called to move. We're called to grow. What's the adjustment you need to make? What, what area of your life you need to surrender? See, surrender, surrender never leads to defeat. Amen. See, white flag, you know, oh, he's, they lost. No, surrender never leads to defeat. It leads to victory. You want to win in your life? You want to go where God wants you to go? Wave the white flag and say, God, I surrender. Because I cannot stay where I'm at today and go with you. I don't want to stay here no more. I don't want to be going through the motions. I want to go where you want me to go. Is there a sin you need to deal with today? Is there an idol that needs to be removed? during an area of your life that you need to surrender. A question for you today. What change, what adjustment you need to make that God is asking you to make? You cannot, you cannot stay where you are today and go with God. In a minute, we're going to have a, a time of what we call an invitation. I'm not going to do an altar call, but we're going to do some type of altar call right where you're at. And I'm going to let time just take a few minutes to kind of set our heart up. I don't want to rush this moment. I know we're going over time today. Who cares? I get one hour a week with you. you got 168 hours to do your own thing. Get one hour with you. Listen. I don't want to let this moment pass by because we've got, we got to get out of here. I want this moment as we talk about this stuff, as we dig into our lives. 
says, God, man, you were jumping on my toes today. You know, there's some things that you, I, I didn't want you to talk about. But, man, that's the Holy Spirit. And he wants to take you somewhere. You just have to be willing to let go.